Hi, I'm Father Gregory Pine. And I'm Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. And you're listening to the Catholic Classics Podcast, where we seek to grow our prayer lives by learning from the Church's greatest saints and teachers. Spiritual reading can be challenging for many Catholics, so this podcast is here to help. Each season, we'll read through a great work, unpack its timeless wisdom, and encourage you with practical tips for the pursuit of holiness. The Catholic Classics Podcast is brought to you by Ascension. This season, we are reading Ascension's edition of Introduction to the Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales. To get your copy of the book and download the reading plan for this season, visit ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics or text INTRO to 33777. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app. This is Day 39. Today we'll be reading Part 4, Necessary Counsels Concerning Temptations That Occur Frequently in the Christian Life, Chapter 15, pages 419 through 423 in the Ascension edition of the book. Before we get into the reading, a quick look at what we'll be covering today. So today is in fact the final chapter of part four, and the following part, part five, is the final part. So we're coming down the home stretch, just a few more episodes, and then you'll have completed the book. So here, St. Francis is stressing that God is teaching us through the rhythm of consolation and desolation. Perhaps you've heard the word pedagogy, which means like a kind of planned form of instruction, but we can say that God is pedagogical in the way that he permits consolation and desolation to enter into our life. So both are ultimately meant to lead us deeper into God, but we have to be prepared for what comes. So God might give us consolation to encourage us, and then permit us to experience desolation to strengthen us. But if we're not prepared for both eventualities, we can be thrown for a loop. So let's go ahead and turn to our reading so that we are not thrown for a loop, but let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Grant us grace, O merciful God, to desire ardently all that is pleasing to thee, to examine it prudently, to acknowledge it truthfully, and to accomplish it perfectly. For the praise and glory of thy name, amen. Chapter 15, a notable example that confirms and exemplifies what we have said. Now, to make this instruction even clearer, allow me here to relate an excellent passage from the life of St. Bernard, as is found in a learned and judicious writer. It ordinarily happens, he says, that almost everyone who is beginning to serve God but has not yet experienced the loss of grace nor spiritual vicissitudes, upon missing the sweetness of sensible devotion and the pleasant light that invites them to run forward along the paths of God, at once lose their breath and fall into discouragement and sadness of heart. Those who understand religious life explain that this happens because our rational nature cannot continue for long without some kind of delight, whether heavenly or earthly. Now, just as souls that are raised above themselves by the taste of spiritual pleasure easily renounce visible objects, so too when, by the divine disposition, spiritual joy is withdrawn from them, finding themselves at the same time deprived of bodily consolations when they are not yet accustomed to wait with patience for the return of the true Son, they feel as though they belong neither to heaven nor earth, and that they will remain buried in a perpetual night. Thus, like little infants who are being weaned, they languish and moan, becoming annoying and troublesome for everyone and especially themselves. This is what happened on one of St. Bernard's journeys to Geoffrey of Perone, a member of his company. Only recently had Geoffrey dedicated himself to the service of God. Then, being suddenly seized by spiritual dryness, deprived of consolation, and possessed with interior darkness, he began to call to mind his worldly friends, kindred, and the riches he had recently forsaken. 
This led him to being so strongly tempted that he could not hide the fact. One of his greatest confidants perceived it, and taking an opportunity to address it, he meekly accosted Jeffrey and said to him privately, quote, What is the meaning of this, Jeffrey? How is it that you are so unusually brooding and forlorn? End quote. Ah, brother, answered Jeffrey with a deep sigh, I shall never again be joyful for as long as I live. End quote. The other man, moved with pity at these words, went immediately with brotherly zeal and told all this to their shared father, St. Bernard, who, perceiving the danger, went into a neighboring church to pray to God for him, while Geoffrey allowed himself to be overwhelmed with sorrow and to rest his head on a stone, there falling asleep. Shortly after each of them arose, the first from prayer having obtained the favor he asked, and the latter from sleep, though with so serene and smiling a countenance that his friend, surprised at so great and sudden a change, could not refrain from good-naturedly reproaching him for how he had spoken so recently about his state of soul. Jeffrey replied, quote, If I told you before that I should never more be joyful, I now assure you that I shall never more be sorrowful. End quote. Such was the outcome of the temptation that had befallen this devout person. However, my dear Philothea, observe the following points from this tale. 1. God normally gives some foretaste of heavenly delight to those who enter into his service in order to draw them away from earthly pleasures and to encourage them to the pursuit of divine love, like a mother who, in order to entice her little babe to suckle at her breast, puts honey upon her nipple. 2. Nevertheless, this good God also sometimes, in accord with his wise dispensation, withholds from us the milk and honey of consolation, so that by weaning us in this way, we may learn to feed on the drier and solid bread of vigorous devotion, having been strengthened through exercise in the midst of the trial of distaste and temptation. 3. Sometimes violent storms of temptation arise amid these dry and sterile states of soul. In such cases, we must resolutely fight against the temptations, for they do not come from God. Rather, we must patiently endure such dryness since God has ordained these experiences so that we might thereby exercise our devotion. 4. We must never lose courage amid these interior pains and conflicts, nor say with the good Jeffrey, quote, I shall never more be joyful, end quote. For in the midst of this night, we must await the return of day. And on the other hand, in the midst of the fairest spiritual weather, we must not say, quote, I shall never more be sorrowful, end quote. For as the wise man says, quote, in the day of good things, be not unmindful of evils, and in the day of evils, be not unmindful of good things, end quote. Ecclesiasticus 11.27, Dewey Reams Version. 5. A preeminent remedy for this is to uncover our sorrowful state of soul to some spiritual friend who can give us comfort. Finally, to conclude these very necessary words of caution, I observe that, just as in all other things, so too in this, our good God and our spiritual enemy have opposed designs for us. By means of these things, God seeks to lead us to perfect purity of heart, to full renunciation of self-interest in what relates to his service, and to perfect self-denial. By contrast, the evil one strives to make us lose courage, to make us return to sensual pleasures, and to make us troublesome to ourselves and to our neighbors in order to disparage and disgrace holy devotion. However, provided that you observe the instructions I have given you, you will greatly advance in the way of perfection through the discipline of these interior afflictions, concerning which I must still say a few more words before I draw my remarks to a close. 
Sometimes, spiritual distaste, sterility, and dryness proceed from some bodily ailment, as when, through an excess of vigils, labor, or fasting, we find ourselves oppressed by lethargy, drowsiness, weariness, and other such infirmities, which, even though they arise from the body, do not fail to trouble the spirit through the intimate connection that exists between our body and spirit. Now, on such occasions, we must always remember to perform such acts of virtue with the whole energy of our spirit and superior will. For although our entire soul seems to be asleep and overwhelmed with drowsiness and fatigue, nonetheless, the actions of our spirit do not cease to be very acceptable to God. And at such times, we may say with the sacred spouse, quote, I slept, but my heart was awake, end quote. Song of Solomon 5.2. And, as I have observed before, if there is less delight in thus performing our spiritual exercises, nonetheless there is more merit in virtue. However, the remedy on such occasions is to recuperate the strength and vigor of our body by some kind of permissible relaxation. Thus, St. Francis of Assisi ordained that his religious should in this way moderate their labors so as not to oppress their spiritual fervor. This glorious father was himself once assaulted and agitated by so deep a melancholy of spirit that he could not help showing it in his behavior. If he went to converse with his religious brothers, he was unable to do so. If he withdrew from them, he was worse. Abstinence and bodily mortification oppressed him, and prayer gave him no relief. He continued two years like this, so that he seemed to be quite abandoned by God. However, at length, after he had humbly suffered this violent storm, our Savior, in but an instant, restored him to happy tranquility. Therefore, if the greatest servants of God are subject to these shocks, how can we, who are among the least of them, be astonished if they sometimes happen to us? So in this section, as we said, we're talking about the rhythm of consolation and desolation, how God permits and or wills that both consolation and desolation enter into our life. And we heard this long story of Geoffrey of Perone, one of the early companions of St. Bernard of Clairvaux, and we found that he was consoled at the beginning of his religious life, but then when that consolation was withdrawn, he was very despondent, right? So he was very, what's the word, downtrodden, woebegone, sorrowful, and it took the prayers of St. Bernard to deliver him from that state. So, I think when we hear this story, we recognize in it something of ourselves, and we have to contend with or we have to confront the fragility of our human nature and constantly pray for greater dependence upon God, right, who gives us consolation and desolation both, but ultimately who gives us himself in the midst of both, uh, and to pray for a kind of fixity in his will for us so that way we're not deflected to one way or the other if things change, you know, without forewarning. So, Father Jacob Bertrand, you know, based on your experience and the conversations that you've had with others who have gone through the same, what are your thoughts about wending our way through consolation and desolation? Yeah, I think two things come to mind immediately. One is what you've just said, Father Gregory, um, that God is not bound to consolation and desolation, and in fact, God is present in times of consolation when things seem to be going well, and God is present in times of desolation when things seem to be going poorly. And we don't want to enter into a sort of like psychological, existential kind of like investigation every time those things fluctuate and change of like, well, why is this happening? What's happening to me? These sort of things. I think, uh, you know, in our last episode, we talked about being able to tell or recognize that sometimes we're the cause of desolation, sometimes we're not. And having some insight into that is is good, but we ought not like spend all of our time trying to figure out 
what's going on because often we can't you know there we're complex things are going on it's just kind of life and our our detachment from those things and attachment to christ is 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 much more you know the core of, our, of the devout life and of the spiritual life so that's that's one thing i'd say the other thing is that it's it's interesting to me that saint francis returns to a relationship to show how how Jeffrey of Perone is moved from this desolation, this despondency when consolation is withdrawn. That St. Bernard, you know, he and St. Bernard are companions, they're friends. And as we talked about, as St. Francis talked about earlier, the importance of friendship in the spiritual life it's just brought to the fore again, yet again, how important it is to have. Um, St. Francis talks about spiritual directors or friends or, or somebody that you are on the way with uh that you're moving along with just the importance of that so those two things stick out a lot to me in, in reading this section of saint francis yeah it's interesting he uses a variety of images one of the controlling images is the image of weaning a child so a child you know nurses at its mother's breast for a while and then it's going to move on to more solid food so too in the life of faith you know we need kind of simple things that are easy to digest and then we can progress from there to more, you know, rich, juicy foods as wisdom sets her table, as the scripture says. But I think, too, you know, you can think about your experience. This is kind of a gross example, so don't be too terribly grossed out. But maybe think about the last time that you had a stomach bug. Obviously, everything about that is basically terrible. But one of the experiences is that you just feel kind of reduced in your humanity. You feel unable to do anything. You just feel totally empty, you know, just totally laid waste. Uh, and then gradually you build up from there, you know, so on day one, you can have clear liquids and maybe you're trying to replace electrolytes or whatever they say. And then you might move on to the brat diet, you know, so what is it? It's like uh, rice is the R, A is applesauce, T is toast, B is something, bananas. Oh yeah. Um, you know, so you kind of progress and none of those foods are especially delicious, but they're, they're a welcome change if all you've had up to that point is just clear liquids. And then from there, you know, you can kind of get back to your normal diet. But as you progress, you feel, you know, you feel the fragility of your humanity because things that you would formally eat without hesitation cause you <laughs> terror at the prospect that they might hurt you like past foods have hurt you. And I think that in the spiritual life, you know, sometimes, you know, we have these, you know, these stomach bugs, maybe it's a fall, or maybe it's a, a change in our situation, a change in our state, and we're very destabilized, you know, we feel empty, we feel reduced in our humanity, but then the Lord takes it as an opportunity to kind of build us back up in the life of faith. So we have to trust that the Lord is like a, he's a good, you know, mother tending to her children or a good nutritionist who knows exactly what's best for us at the time when he permits it. Um, and so if we can, you know, cultivate that sense of habitual trust, and that comes ultimately through the life of prayer and sacrament, the things that we've mentioned to this point, then we can begin to see in our reality something of this divine care, something of this divine pedagogy, which we referred to earlier. And once we have those, those eyes of faith, it becomes easier to go through it because we recognize that, you know, providence isn't just an interlocking series of causes, which may or may not care about you as an individual, but is in fact just concerned with the general welfare. It's like, no, no, no. We recognize that all of this comes from the hand of God who loves us each individually, you know, particularly. He calls us each by name. He has numbered the hairs on our head. So I think that's, yeah, that's super helpful for making sense of the consolations, desolations in our own life. I don't know if there's, you know, any experience that you've had recently or, or thought that that occasions Father Jacob Bertrand. I think always in my, in my own spiritual life this is me being a little vulnerable hang on um i'm always <laughs> i always find myself just kind of like hmm 
I guess that's what's happening right now. You know, um, <laughs> I know in conversations, Father Gregory and I have, have talked about this, this sort of phenomenon of, you know, we've been in religious life for over a decade now. We've been priests for both over five years at this point, not terribly long, but you know, you have sort of these expectations when you enter into something that like, yeah, after a couple of years in religious life, who holiness, there I am, I did it. And it's just like, not the case. And, or same thing with the spiritual life. Like, oh, I'll do this for, you know, I'll get used to doing it. I'll spend some time doing it and I'll be great at praying like contemplation. Here I come. Not so much. And sometimes that leads me to sort of be like, huh, I guess this is what the Lord has in store for me. And I recognize that I'm a whole host of problems in my own spiritual life. But in that, I think there's there's a sort of realness, if that makes sense, that, you know, life is not something different than human life. It just is what it is in many ways. And there are a lot of beautiful things about life and about our faith. And there are a lot of tough things about our life and our faith. And everyone experiences that differently according to who they are and the circumstances of their life. And intensity levels are different on all of those fronts. But still sometimes we're like, hmm. But in that, hmm, this is what God is doing. It's, yeah, this is what God is doing. And there's a beauty to that, to sort of recognizing that the Lord is at work, even when I'm kind of like, huh, I guess this is it, you know, because it's not it for God. That's the awesome thing. It's it's through the regular living of life, through our faithfulness to him, that he makes us holy. And that's a that's an amazing thing. And we might not always experience how amazing it is now, but part I think part of the beauty of the promise of heaven is that when we have a sort of view of our life, we will be able to see God's hand in it, how God through kind of like the grind, as we've talked about in previous episodes, the daily grind is is working to make us holy. And there's there's the divine in all of that, the supernatural and all of it. So while most days I'm kind of like, oh, like, okay, it's Monday, it's Friday, doing the same thing. For God, that's, you know, his love is is too much for it just to be, oh, another day with with Father Jacob Bertrand. You know, it's it's not the way we see it. I'll say it that way. Yeah, and I think too, maybe just one last image is consolation and desolation. It's not like the Lord is setting market factors, like the Lord is an economist. And he's like, let's make some small adjustments to the Fed or let's make some small adjustments to the interest rate. So that way we can produce, you know, more ideal circumstances or, or more ideal results. Rather, it's like the Lord is inviting us in and through it into a, you know, deeper relationship with himself, like we've said. And if we think about this in terms of the sacred humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's funny, you know, like we, we don't talk too terribly much about Jesus uh, in this book. I mean, he's present throughout, but we don't, I mean, it's not a book about our Lord Jesus Christ and his mysteries in the same way that something written by Columba Marmion is, but we, we can see him present here insofar as these consolations and desolations are consolations and desolations through which our Lord Jesus Christ passed, and they, they afford us an invitation into his mysteries. And if we're able to, to suffer these times humbly, with patience, they, they give us access to our Lord at his most vulnerable and our Lord at his most powerful. So I think especially, you know, in the, in the case of many of us, we probably won't die as martyrs. You know, God be praised should he afford us one of those graces, but we probably won't just judged on, you know, statistics. But we can all participate in his passion. And often it's in simple and, you know, kind of even silly ways, by patience, by waiting on his word right, by waiting on his consolation, by waiting on more clear testimony that he is in fact present or he is in fact at work. 
And for us, you know, who strive to be faithful, it's sufficient that we just, like we said, you know, keep showing up, you know, remain faithful to the habit of prayer, reception of the sacraments, the friendships that constitute our life, you know, the simple penances which help us to be on the lookout for the different kind of excesses and defects that crop up in our life, a habit of study so that way we're always feeding our minds with, you know, further riches of the divine life. And in the process, you know, we become like Jesus because that's the point. The point isn't to become a, a moral juggernaut. The point is to become like our Lord Jesus Christ in a particular and unique way for which each of us is is suited as an individual willed by God for that purpose. So as we wind up with this part four, um, we wind up this consideration of different temptations which beset our path, specifically, you know, thinking about consolations and desolations. Any final thoughts, final words, Father Jake Bertrand? Just to reiterate what you've said uh, just at the end there, that that the point of all of this is to become like Jesus. That's the invitation. Um, that's what's on offer. And it's not a fanciful offering. It's not a false offering, but the one thing that matters, the one thing that, that we're made for. Um, and I think this is the point that St. Francis is making throughout this book on a devout life. This is the point, hopefully, that Father Gregory and I are, are driving home <laughs> through these episodes that, you know, you are made to be like Jesus, to be his friend, to share in his life. And that's, that's on offer in a real way. Boom. All right, folks, that's it for today. So thanks so much for tuning in. Be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. To download the reading plan and support the production of this podcast, please visit ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics. And if you'd like to hear some of our conversations on other subjects, follow up with us and three of our brother priests on the podcast Godsplaining. That's G-O-D-S-P-L-A-I-N-I-N-G. And there you'll find weekly episodes on a variety of Catholic themes with the occasional guest, scriptural meditations, and even a special series or two. You can find Godsplaining with any podcast app on YouTube and at godsplaining.org. Know of our prayers for you. Please pray for us, and we will catch you next time on Catholic Classics.